Welcome to Kingdom Testimony. This is Lisa and we are going to continue in the book Intramuros by Rebecca Ruder Springer. I want to say if you can hear a fan in the background, I apologize. I have my HVAC going. It is a little loud, but it is way too hot outside to not have that on. So let's go. We're on chapter three. It starts with a a poem by Horatius Bonar. Um, it almost looks like it's a haiku. No, it isn't. Okay. When I shall meet with those that I have loved, clasp in my arms the dear ones long removed, and find how faithful thou to me has proved, I shall be satisfied. After a short rest in this lovely room among the books, my brother took me through all the remaining rooms of the house, each perfect and beautiful in its way, and each distinctly and imperishably photographed upon my memory. Of only one other will I speak at this time. As he drew aside the gauzy gray draperies lined with the most delicate shade of amber which hung before the columned doorway of a lovely room on the second floor of the house, he said, your own special place for rest and study. The entire second story of the house, indoors, instead of being furnished in gray marble as was the first floor, was finished with inlaid woods of fine satiny texture and rare polish, and the room we now entered was exquisite, both in design and finish. It was oblong in shape, with a large bowed window at one end, similar to those in the library, a portion of which was directly beneath this room. Within this window, on one side, stood a writing desk of solid ivory with silver appointments, and opposite was a case of well-filled bookshelves of the same material. Among the books I found afterward many of my favorite authors. Rich rugs, silver gray in color, lay scattered over the floor and all the hangings in the room were of the same delicate hue and texture as those at the entrance. The framework of the furniture was of ivory, the upholstering of chairs and ottomans of silver gray cloth, with the finish of finest satin, and the pillows and covering of the dainty couch were of the same. A large bowl of wrought silver stood upon the table near the front window, filled with pink and yellow roses, whose fragrance filled the air, and several rarely graceful vases also were filled with roses. The entire apartment was beautiful beyond description, but I had seen it many times before I was fully able to comprehend its perfect completeness. Only one picture hung upon the walls, and that was a life-size portrait of the Christ, just opposite the couch. It was not an artist's conception of the human Christ, bowed under the weight of the sins of the world, nor yet the throned, crowned head, crowned head of the crucified Savior of mankind, but the likeness of the living Master, of Christ the victorious, of Christ the crowned. The wonderful eyes looked directly and tenderly into your own, and the lips seemed to pronounce the benediction of peace. The ineffable beauty of the divine face seemed to illumine the room with a holy light, and I fell upon my knees and pressed my lips to the sandaled feet so truthfully portrayed upon the canvas, while my heart cried, 
Master, beloved Master and Savior. It was long before I could fix my attention on anything else. My whole being was full of adoration and thanksgiving for the great love that had guided me into this haven of rest, this wonderful home of peace and joy. After some time spent in this delightful place, we passed through the open window onto the marble terrace. A stairway of artistically finished marble wound gracefully down from this terrace to the lawn beneath the trees. No pathway of any kind approaching at its foot, only the flowery turf. The fruit-laden branches of the trees hung within easy reach from the terrace, and I noticed as I stood there that morning seven that morning seven varieties. One kind resembled our fine Bartlett pear, only much larger, and infinitely more delicious to the taste, as I soon found. Another variety was in clusters, the fruit also pear-shaped, but smaller than the former, and of a consistency in flavor similar to the finest frozen cream. A third, something like a banana in shape, they called breadfruit. It was not unlike our dainty finger rolls to the taste. It seemed to me at the time, and really proved to be so, that in variety and excellence, food for the most elegant repast was here, provided without labor or care. My brother gathered some of the different varieties and bade me try them. I did so with much relish and refreshment. Once the rich juice from the pear-like fruit, whose distinctive name I have forgotten, if indeed I ever knew it, ran out profusely over my hands and on the front of my dress. Oh, I cried, I have ruined my dress, I fear. My brother laughed genially as he said, show me the stains. To my amazement, not a spot could I find. Look at your hands, he said, and I found them clean and fresh, as though just from the bath. What does it mean? My hands were covered with the thick juice of the fruit. Simply, he answered, that no impurity can remain for an instant in this air. Nothing decays, nothing tarnishes, or in any way disfigures or mars the universal pure purity or beauty of the place. As fast as the fruit ripens and falls, all that is not immediately gathered at once evaporates, not even the seed remaining. I had noticed that no fruit lay beneath the trees. This then was the reason for it. And there shall in no wise enter into it anything that defiles, I quoted thoughtfully. Yes, even so, he answered, even so. We descended the steps and again entered the flower room. As I stood once more admiring the inlaid roses, my brother asked, Whom of all the friends you have in heaven do you most wish to see? My father and mother, I answered quickly. He smiled so significantly that I hastily turned and there, advancing up the long room to meet me, I saw my dear father and mother, and with them my youngest sister. With a cry of joy, I flew into my father's outstretched arms and heard with a thrill of joy his dear, familiar, my precious little daughter. At last, at last, I cried, clinging to him, at last I have you again. At last, he echoed with a deep-drawn breath of joy. Then he resigned me to my dear mother, and we were soon clasped in each other's embrace. My precious mother, my dear, dear child, 
We cried simultaneously, and my sister, enfolding us both in her arms, exclaimed with a happy laugh, I cannot wait. I will not be left outside. And disengaging one arm, I threw it about her neck and drew her into the happy circle of our united love. Oh, what an hour was that! I did not dream that even heaven could hold such joy. After a time, my brother, who had shared our joy, said, Now I can safely leave you for a few hours to this blessed reunion, for I have other work before me. Yes, said my father, you must go. We will with joy take charge of our dear child. Then for a brief while, goodbye, said my brother kindly. Do not forget that rest, especially to one, but recently entered upon the new life, is not only one of the pleasures, but one of the duties of heaven. Yes, we will see she does not forget that, said my father with a kindly smile and glance. So that was chapter three. Very, very good, very descriptive. As I said in the beginning in the introduction, I see nothing so far that would not tell me that this is a description of paradise. Um, and if you are calling to mind what I said about the eight worlds that Jane Lead talks about, how there's paradise, and then from there on there's Mount Zion, New Jerusalem, and, and you know, those layers. Um, I have had two, well, three dreams of heaven, which I, I alluded to these in my um, post on professing Christians on the blog post, but I will share them with you now. I may have shared them before. I don't remember. But since we're only at 10 minutes, and if you want to hear about it, the first dream I had of heaven was I was sitting, and this was when I was very first saved, right after I gave my life to Jesus Christ. I was sitting on, I guess you could call it a bench or a hay bale or something. I was sitting on something that was natural to the area, so like a wood bench. And I was sitting along a very tall hedge. I can still remember it. I still can see it very clearly. There was a really tall hedge behind me, and I was sitting on this seat of some sort and I was looking around and my eyes were drawn to what was going on beyond the hedge behind me so I peered around to my right and I looked and in this you could call it a park-like setting I was watching and I saw Jesus to the far right and he was going about the business of the day. And the business of the day was giving answered prayer assignments to angels. And this is what I saw. I'm just saying what I saw. And so there was a bunch of angels standing around 
and I don't remember his face or his eyes and any of that I just I knew it was him but there was a couple of angels talking to him and it was like a kind of like a serious business like but casual atmosphere and so there was groups of angels you know just kind of standing around almost in a line and they were waiting for their turn to get their mission to go to the earth uh, of answered prayers is is all I could distinguish that it was and so I was watching as this was going on and no one saw me no one paid any attention to me I just was watching this was the business of the day so that was the first one that I had and then not too long after that I had a dream that I had just arrived in paradise and this I knew to be paradise I mean I for a long time I thought it was heaven but I, I was thinking no it just it just has the descriptive feel of paradise so I was walking along this country lane and I saw my mother and my sister come running up to me but they were childlike almost like they were skipping up to me and they were they were smiling and laughing and so happy to see me and, and it reminded me of what um, Rebecca <clears throat> sees of her mom and dad and so it was my mom and my sister now they were still alive on earth when I had this dream and I was talking to them and my mom was like oh I'm so glad you're here I want to show you my place come and see my place and my sister uh, my oldest sister I have quite a few brothers and sisters I'm the youngest she said oh, I want you to see my place too and my mom was laughing and she's and she's like now Christine which is my sister's name I'm showing her my place first kind of like there still is the hierarchy you know of you know the respect honor your father and your mother this was this was my mom but it was all very I mean she wasn't being you know reprimanding she was just like now you know it was just that teen as I called her couldn't contain her excitement and as I stood there talking to them I could kind of see past them but I wasn't looking intently but we were on a country lane very heavily wooded there was lots of flowers I could tell that there was little cabins or cottages back in these woods down this lane and that was pretty much it but what I could distinctly tell is that there was another sibling there a brother and he wasn't speaking but he was there I don't know why that is I have my own thoughts about it I'm not going to share those um, but all of my brothers and sisters and my parents were alive when I had this dream and it wasn't that long after I was saved um, so not too long after that I would say four years later um, I had a brother die he died of AIDS and I w none of us got to be with him you know at his death so we were not 100% sure if he had given his life to Christ now it could be a deathbed conversion I don't know um, and so that left me with three other brothers two of my brothers um, were not born-again Christians one of them 
was to the point of born again where he would have been um boy i would i would say on a higher level of just this entrance area and i'm not judging anybody i'm just saying my mom to my knowledge did not become a born again christian and i was there not at her death but near her death my sisters were there and this other sister that ran up to me did not also did not confess a born again experience so all three of these that were on that country lane did not while they were living express a born again experience but they were all very much believers in Jesus and God so we'll we'll put it that way um, I'm trying to think if there's any other I can't think if there's any other instances where I have seen anything that could be described paradise or heaven so we'll leave it there and this concludes chapter three of intramuros and thank you for joining me today and I apologize if the fan noise is too loud um, so with that I'm trying to do two of these a week so that it doesn't drag on too long but they're short so with that I pray you have a blessed day